It's time for HOA Solutions Today. This is where you'll find news, tools, and trends for condominium and association leaders. 87% of those that responded said that their elected governing board absolutely, or for the most part, strive to serve the best interest. And now, here's your host, Paul K. Mender. This is the HOA Solutions Today podcast. Our topic for this episode is the community satisfaction. And I'm very pleased to have a really one of the leading experts on this uh, in the country as our guest today. Uh, Dawn uh, works out of uh, Alexandria, Virginia. She has extensive experience with not-for-profit organizations and particularly the Community Association Institute and with government of, governmental affairs for uh, CAI. Uh, she's a speaker and a trainer, and she's a certified association. I really appreciate the work you do with the Community Association Institute, and I particularly want to jump into talking about the surveying that CAI has done about satisfaction and what you've, uh, what, why have you done the surveying and what have you learned? Sure. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Paul. I really appreciate it. So the Foundation for Community Association Research 17 years ago started to launch the, the Homeowner Satisfaction Survey um, because there was this curiosity about whether people living in the community association housing model, condos, HOAs, were satisfied with their communities. So overwhelmingly, for the past 17 years, um, people who have responded to the survey indicate that they are very satisfied with their community association. As a matter of fact, 89% of the respondents say that they are overall either they're very good, their community is very good or good. Um, so these are strong numbers and these are across the country. That is just super interesting because you sure don't see many news stories about how satisfied homeowner and condominium uh, members are. Well, that's true. And of course, it's also not interesting news to say, oh, this community association is phenomenal. Um, what's interesting about this survey is we commission, the Foundation for Community Association Research commissions a polling agency to conduct this survey. We don't ask CAI members. We don't ask you. We don't ask your clients. We may, but we actually, they, we use a third party so that they reach out to their data sources to gather this information so that it's a true poll that is unbiased with its responses. And who are some of the, I know you've used a couple different polling agencies, uh, very respected. Who, who are these agencies? Well, our first one we used was Gallup. Um, we used Gallup for several years. We used public opinion surveys. And for the past eight years, we've used Zogby International, which is also a well-known polling company here in the DC area. One of the interesting statistics in this survey is that 87% of those that responded said that their elected governing board absolutely, or for the most part, strive to serve the best interest of the community. Also not something that you hear in the news, um, but 87%, that's a super high number, way better than Congress and way better than most other industries. Well, well interesting you mentioned uh, Congress because I was just uh, doing a little reading this morning and uh, Gallup did a poll uh, between September 1st and 16th of this year and found that only 23% approve of the job Congress is doing. And in fact, 75% disapprove. 
How Isn't do you? That, re- how is it that associations are getting so much higher approval than Congress? Well, I mean, I do think that we are in an interesting political time in our country, though we often see Congress's um, satisfaction level, American satisfaction level with con- Congress is usually below 50%. Um, but I will say another statistic is 74% of the those responding say their manager provides value and support to the residents as a whole. And 68% say that their, their rules in their community protect and enhance their property value. So oftentimes you, you hear these, um, art, these, you see these articles or news stories about rules, 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 and that they're not good. 68% like them and say that they actually protect their property value. Yeah, absolutely. And I I know that uh, I spend a lot of time talking with our managers and association leaders about balancing of rights. So, you know, very often you have people, you know, somebody wants a car parked in their yard, other people don't want a car parked in the yard, and you really have to work through who has the right for what and what did they agree to. But a a lot of the rules, uh, people purposefully moved into an association that had rules, you couldn't park a car in the front yard. So they're quite satisfied when they see the association taking action to, to tow the car. Uh, however, you know, for every car you tow, there'll be at least one person that's upset that you did. At least one, right? That driver, <laughs> that car owner. Yeah, all, always, a, always a big uh Always a big challenge. Well, Dawn, one of the things we do here at the uh, HOA Solutions Today podcast is a few interesting uh, news breaks. And now it's time for your HOA Solutions Today news break. In Fairfax County, Virginia, as part of their Charge Up Fairfax initiative, the local government wants to put EV charging stations for electric vehicles in public spots such as parking garages. The county hopes that by 2030, 15% of all light duty registrations will be electric vehicles. To let us know how you feel about electric vehicle charging in public spaces, please drop us a comment at HOASolutionsToday.com. I'm very pleased to be back with uh, Dawn Bauman uh, from the Community Association Institute talking about the uh, important surveying that CAI has done over the last 17 years. Dawn, have the results remained about the same or have they been up and down a lot? That's a great question, Paul. Um, over the last 17 years, the Foundation for Community Association Research has conducted the survey every other year. And the survey has remained relatively consistent throughout the 17 years. In the high 80s, per- 80s percentages of people being satisfied with their association or neutral with their association. Um, what we have done as well is we've done, we've dug a little deeper state by state into and region by region into homeowner satisfaction. We have found that states with more associations, Florida, California, Texas, New York, have a higher level of satisfaction with their associations than states with fewer associations. I'm not sure why that is. You know, there could be some different theories about it and we haven't asked that question, but the more associations, the happier people are. No, I have a little bit of uh, personal insight into that, having uh, been doing this for the last three or four decades, unbelievably. Um, it seems to me that as time has gone along and that there are more associations, people have a better understanding and expectation of what they should get 
with an association. And there's been a lot of surveying done to show that uh, expectations have a lot to do with satisfaction. So I suspect where there are not many associations, people have less of an expect expectation. In states with more, uh, I think they have more of an expectation. And also, as I think you kind of have a new generation of home buyers, the concept of uh, uh, community associations is maybe less foreign to them than it was to their parents or grandparents. Sure. And it might even be one of the questions that we ask is, have you attended one of your community association board meetings? Upwards of 70% of the respondents say they have attended a community association board meeting. So I do think if there's involvement, engagement, knowledge of how that community association works, um, there is going to be a higher level of satisfaction. It's interesting how different associations seem to have different levels of participation uh, at board meetings. I, I see some associations where homeowners attend every board meeting and other associations where unless there's some issue you don't tend to have a lot of homeowners at the at the meetings. Well, that I will be curious to see how virtual meetings uh, drive satisfaction because I think a lot of what we're seeing, at least early on, just being really a couple of years into virtual meetings, is that that's pushing satisfaction up. That most of the homeowners really like being able uh, to log in from their office or dining room, opposed to having to go to a you know, go physically to a meeting. Is that That's right. survey address that at all? That's right. We have looked at virtual meetings and whether your community offers virtual meetings. And again, a, more than a majority of associations are now offering virtual meetings. We've also done some side surveys other than the homeowner satisfaction survey about whether people are um, seeing a great, associations are seeing a greater attendance due to the virtual meetings. And absolutely, there's a greater attendance, greater participation. And I think to everybody's benefit, the meetings are shorter and they're more succinct and more business is getting done. Well, certainly my experience has been, it's really unusual to get a person elected to a board that doesn't have the best interest of the association uh, in his or her uh, serving on the board. I mean, occasionally, uh, you do get people that have a specific issue they care about. But even those folks, once they get on the board, uh, they seem to almost always be interested in furthering the betterment of the whole community. Uh, have you had any is this survey address or do you have any experience with uh, folks that get on the board and are, you know, kind of bad directors? Listen, in every business, in every industry, there are bad apples. Um, but this survey has demonstrated um, through the results, 87% surveyed said that their board serves the best interest of that community association. 87%. It's a really strong number. That's super high. I mean, uh, Congress must lay awake at night and wonder how we get such good results. I think, Paul, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. They must lay awake at night thinking about community associations. Uh, of course, it's interesting to me where you see uh, maybe less Congress and more state legislatures, but you see these groups that have very low satisfaction themselves, um, often trying to come in and regulate, uh, take authority away from board of directors that are already receiving pretty high uh, satisfaction. It's hard to imagine that imposing 
additional regulation on these boards would drive satisfaction higher. So that's one of the questions that we ask as well is, do you do you want additional government um, intervention in the community association housing model? I'm going to pull that statistic up right now, but it's approximately 60 to 70 percent say no we do not want any further regulation of our industry we want as an association condo or homeowners association we want our neighbors to decide what works best for our neighbors well and i think if you're doing an analysis of why do homeowner association boards achieve this high satisfaction certainly part of it has to be is that they live next door and they have the ability to understand what will work for their community, opposed to uh, oftentimes it seems that uh, members of Congress or legislators, you know, aren't subject to necessarily the rules they're making. Uh, in in this world, in the community association world, uh, if the directors pass a special assessment, they're paying it themselves, uh, you know, in the community. So it's certainly a um, you know, close up kind of form of representation. Absolutely. And speaking about assessments, more than 50% of those that were, uh, that participated in the survey, more than 50% say that they are paying just the right amount of assessment every month. And it's approximately um, 40% are paying between $100 and $300 a month. So this is throughout the country. And this is a huge range of associations, right? Small homeowners associations, small condominiums, up to high rise and high end. Um, but but this is interesting information. Yeah, I think uh, at least in my experience, uh, almost all associations are pretty transparent about their finances. And I think as owners understand the the need for funds, um, they're. Uh, you know, they're willing to pay to keep the community maintained the way they want it. Of course, sometimes you get into a situation where some homeowners, um, you know, want higher level of services than others. And that's kind of a process that you have to work through to, again, it's a balancing of uh, rights. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the, one of the other statistics, which we, which we find interesting we asked how people felt their community, um, if they were more satisfied or less satisfied during COVID. You know, people were home and we were curious. We wanted to make sure we're asking these questions right when we're, right when we're coming out of COVID. 70% um, said they are just as satisfied or more satisfied during COVID. Which well, it's really interesting. Been because I know at, uh, at our management company, our call volume during the initial phases of COVID when everyone was at home, the call volume went way up. We had a lot more people calling in about, hey, the flower bed, this or that. And, well, nice to talk to you. We haven't, we haven't heard from you before. Well, usually I work. So it was, uh, you know, there was, uh, there was some uh, change with COVID. So, hey, Dawn, it's time for our HOA Solutions news break. Uh, so let's jump right back to this in just a minute. And here's another HOA Solutions Today news break. In Greensboro, North Carolina, a married couple received a citation from their HOA for flying eight small American flags in their yard. The HOA reported that they allowed flags to be flown, but only for a limited time. The HOA also claimed that the flags violated rules about political flags. The couple insisted the flags were not politically motivated and that they were there to support the wife's father who served in the military. 
Upon further examination of the HOA rules and guidelines, the couple found that they could in fact fly the American flag. To let us know how you feel about displaying the American flag in the community, head on over to HOASolutionstoday.com. Don, it's always interesting to me what uh, associations choose to do battle over. Uh, I know it's been... uh, typically been my advice to, uh, to our clients, um, you know, give a lot of uh, leniency to somebody who might want to display an American flag or maybe even a set of American flags, uh, particularly uh, when they have a link to our veterans. You just kind of have to pick your battles. Well, and of course, we know that there is a federal law that prohibits an association from restricting the display of the American flag. There may be some rules and regulations around how that flag is displayed and where that flagpole is located, et cetera. But of course, um, everyone is allowed to display the American flag under the rules of the association. Yeah, Interestingly, uh, North Carolina also has a state statute uh, broadly allowing display of the uh, American flag. Interesting to me how association boards, uh, even if not initially, uh, over a period of time, uh, seem to do a pretty good job of sorting these things out. Uh, when you consider how many associations uh, there are, and, and you may have a number right off the top of your head, but I think in North Carolina, the last number that I heard was 18,000. But when you think about there being 18,000 in one state, uh, the number of complaints you hear is actually, uh, you know, fairly low. And usually it does seem that uh, when they get an opportunity to maybe work with their professional manager or their uh, legal advisor, you know, even if they get things wrong the first time, uh, they often get it right, right the second time. Sure. Um, since we're talking about signs and the American flag, can I give you some statistics on voting. So we also asked those participants in the survey three questions. Have you voted in your community association election? Have you voted in a state, a local or state election? And do you vote in the national, the federal election? 70% say they vote in the community association elections. 85% say they vote in the local and or state elections and another 85, the same 85% say they vote in federal elections. So that's a lot. And I'll have to tell you when CAI is talking with members of Congress or talking with state legislators, these voters make a difference. Those voices make a difference. Um, and that's, that's a lot of, um, of civic duty and civic engagement, which uh, as an organization and as an industry, we should be proud of. I know that it has made a big difference in several things I've been involved with when uh, CAI can mobilize its members to communicate with their legislator or their congressperson um, about wants and desires on uh, legislation. It just seems to make a, a huge impact. And you know, it's interesting to me that it seems that community associations are fairly united around some of what I consider to be the fundamental uh, concepts. And you know, one of those is certainly that community board of directors are the best equipped to make decisions for their communities. Absolutely. And the further you get away from the community, the harder it is to make good decisions for that community. 
Well, and that's part of the beauty of the community, right? Is if you're in, you know, maybe you're in Raleigh, North Carolina, and that community um, doesn't doesn't want to have a lot of short-term rentals in that community because it's a family community, there's a school in the community, and they feel it's the best interest of that. The owners feel it's in their best interest to only have a few short-term rentals. Great, they should be able to decide to do that. They're in Asheville and they are in a community that has a lot of tourism and they want to have short-term rentals, maybe a lot of second homes. Great, that community should decide on their own. Um, 70% say that their rules protect their property values. We should let these communities make their own rules. Yeah, totally, uh, totally agree. Well, what about when it comes to reserve studies, Dawn? I know there's been some uh, concern over the last year after the tragedy in Florida. Um, should communities be able to make their own decisions on that? Or is that something that uh, we need federal or state regulations on? So there wouldn't be typically federal legislation because most of the land use policy is at a state level, but we are seeing trends and CAI, Community Associations Institute, supports um, mandating reserve studies and reserve fundings for community associations um, since the tragedy in Florida. Now, we also recognize that it's not that easy. There could be some associations that haven't had a reserve study or haven't saved for reserves for quite a while. So imposing that requirement on them with no time to prepare or to plan, that's unreasonable. So we support mandatory, state mandatory reserve studies and reserve funding, but we also support the opportunity for these communities to have several years, enough time to be able to ramp up and meet those, um, comply with those requirements. But what's yeah, interesting well, is, I'm sorry. The, no, the, one of the challenges I've seen is uh, oftentimes boards want to better fund the reserves, but the governing documents have been written in such a fashion that they need membership approval to uh, raise the assessment or raise the reserve funding. And they have uh, problems getting that. I think uh, even in the tragedy in Florida, that was one of the issues that board members had recognized that they needed more money to do more work, but they had trouble raising. So it is, that's why having a law that mandates reserve studies and funding gives that board the backing they need to be able to make those decisions and not have to, um, not have to respond to owners who may not understand the importance of a reserve study and funding. Excellent point. One of, going back to the satisfaction survey, uh, one of the things that I have encouraged managers to do and uh, we do a lot of it in our company, is to do surveying of the members in a community um, so that the board members can know the wants and desires of those members. Uh, but interesting in my mind that our internal surveying, it's not nearly as sophisticated as the research foundations, but we found similar results in surveying our individual communities. And I think the directors, even more than the managers, the directors have found this information very helpful because what they've often learned is that they have a lot of complaints from a couple people. And the director's message back to me has often been, thanks so much for this information. We thought a lot of people were upset about whatever it might be, but with the satisfaction surveys that we've done, well, there are a lot of, there are 
there, there are a lot of complaints, but most of them are coming in many cases from one or two or three people. And I think that has really helped directors uh, balance, you know, what does the whole membership want? Um, so sometimes the squeakiest wheel uh, doesn't represent really the will of the majority. Well, absolutely. If you're in the U.S., there are 74 million people living in associations. And if 11% of them are dissatisfied, um, and even a small percent of that group voices their dissatisfaction with either the media or the manager or the board or a government official, still a lot of people, a lot of voices. Um, we have nearly, the Community Association Housing Model has nearly 30% of the market share in housing. Um, and that continues to grow. It's going to be 50% in likely in 2040. So we're going to keep seeing that grow and we'll likely keep seeing the same volume of satisfaction. Um, but then you have more people still who are participating in the conversation. But it's really, I think, really helpful to community leaders to uh, look at the uh, research that CAI has done and maybe do some of their own kind of micro research and see what the satisfaction level is uh, within their community. Because not only has it helped uh, as a manager, not only does it help you identify the wants and desires of a particular community, but it may also help you look at, do you have a one of your communities that kind of falls outside the standard deviation of that? And why, why does that community have um, unusual dissatisfaction? And unusual may it may still not be a, may not be 50% or anything like that. But if you're normally seeing, you know, a 10% dissatisfaction, and then in another community, there's 20%, you know, you kind of want to uh, start taking a look at what, you know, what is that? Right, right. You know, you make a great suggestion. And I do want to make the offer to your listeners. If you go to our website, foundation.caionline.org, and go find our homeowner satisfaction survey, take the questions, ask your community, and then compare it to the national standard. I think that's a great idea, Paul. We welcome the opportunity for communities to do just that. We'll, we'll put that link on the uh, on the uh, HOA Solutions Today, uh, com website, so it'll be easy for people to, uh, to access. And uh, I, one tip I might give listeners on that is at least the way we've done it, We've tried to ask people, if you're dissatisfied, tell us why. Because sometimes sure. people are dissatisfied because a train comes by at three o'clock in the morning. I understand you're dissatisfied by that. I know I would be. But that's not something that the association can really move the needle on. So helpful for uh, directors to not only know the dissatisfaction, but maybe try to understand what's up under it. And I think on a micro level, that's a little bit more important than it is on a, when you're doing national statistics. But being able to compare that is uh, just super important. Absolutely. That's a great idea. So I'm going to go to our final uh, news break today, Dawn. Thank you for being uh, with us on the HOA Solutions Today uh, podcast. And now our final HOA Solutions Today news break. WBGN reports that a homeowner in Paradise Valley, Arizona, installed artificial grass in her front and backyards in an attempt to cut down on her water bill while Arizona is in a drought. The homeowner says that by installing the artificial grass, she saves about $1,100 a month in watering expenses. The HOA says that they are an elite community and do not want artificial grass in their neighborhood. They fined the homeowner for installing the yard. 
This battle has called attention of state lawmakers in Arizona, including House of Representatives member John Kavanaugh. John Kavanaugh proposed the bill that would prevent HOAs from forbidding residents to install artificial lawns. The bill passed committee and now heads to a vote in the General Assembly. Let us know how you feel about artificial grass yards and communities. Drop us a comment at HOASolutionsToday.com. Another example of, uh, you know, you may really have to decide what's right uh, within that particular community, I think. That's right. That's right. Just let the community decide. Those owners have quite, have their own interests. Um, and when you get a group of them together and you have civil discourse and a good community conversation, you can come up with some good rules. It is a, uh, it is a challenge when you have um, state laws that may require one thing and community governing documents that may be at odds or at least seem to be at odds at that. And of course the state law is gonna trump the, the governing documents, but it's kind of up to those who are elected to lead the community uh, to reconcile how they're going to uh, align those two different concerns. That's absolutely right, it's an excellent point. Well, Dawn, I always like to try to, uh, as we wrap up our podcast, give our listeners kind of three uh, takeaways uh, from uh, today's podcast. Do you want to uh, give a first shot at what the three takeaways might be? Sure, I would love to. Um, I, I think first to the board members, know that you are doing a really wonderful job in your communities, right? Statistics show you're doing a great job. Your manager is doing a great job. Don't let those one or two complaints frustrate you or discourage you stay on track and keep doing what you're doing, which is obviously for the good of the community. Um, so I would say that maybe one and two, maybe even three, <laughs> uh, but just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, I might add to that, that I think uh, using the surveys uh, in your individual communities can be helpful and to, uh, to management companies. Uh, not only do we compare how different communities rank, but we also compare how different managers rank. And it may or may not be the manager's issue with something, but you know, looking at it statistically helps. And I, I think more and more we're, we're living in a data-driven world. And this is an opportunity to uh, take a, a kind of a personal services business and derive some data that really helps you run it. Um, I, I love what you said on the first point, and I, uh, I just wanna really emphasize that in closing that uh, the, this kind of survey, the national survey and the individual surveys really do make directors feel like they're doing a good job, make managers feel like the time they put into this really is worthwhile because it's, um, it's helping get better results for our, uh, for our community. So I, Dawn, I really wanna thank you for all the work you do with uh, CAI and with our industry and uh, particularly for being with us on the HOA Solutions Today podcast. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been my pleasure. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I hope you'll uh, I hope you'll come back and be with us on one of the other topics you're uh, involved with as time permits. I would love that. This is the uh, HOA Solutions Today podcast. Uh, for more HOA news, tools, and trends, please visit the HOA Solutions Today com and subscribe uh, to our series. I'm Paul K. Mendert, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to HOA Solutions Today. Find more information on today's topic online at HOA Solutions Today.
This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, Executive Director. Jacob Sutherland, Director. Matt Golden, News Director. Chin Ray Zhang, Director Producer. And Jason Gentarola, Audio Producer. All rights reserved.